good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to today's episode of Musings with Jesus. My name is Shola, I'm your host. Thank you for joining me. I hope you're well. I hope all is good with you in your world. Apologies, my voice sounds a little bit hoarse this morning. Um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is, but <laughs> let's hope it clears up as we go along. So, um, so sorry, I haven't recorded in about two days. It's been really sort of hectic and busy and I usually have a window for recording these things and once I miss that window it's just really tough when the day kicks in but no excuses but here we are and um do you know on Friday I had a spontaneous worship moment while trying to s- submit a prof- um a work proposal that had was taking much longer than I had anticipated and I just started I reached out uh, and I just started playing um, or rather it came to me actually now that I realized it was God because when I see what happened afterwards um, to just play Ron Kenoli and we, who was a great gospel, who is a great gospel minister um, not as active now as he used to be in, in, back in the day, he started off I think in the 90s or so and really took the world by storm you know, under integrity music then and I played, I think I, I started off by playing the Jesus is Alive album and then the playlist of YouTube already knows my stuff, so it just moved to God is Able. And it amazed me how every song on these two albums was literally, it's almost like a prayer. There were prayers in every song, and there were scriptural prayers. There was theology in every song. There was, you know, the song of praise, there was the song of rejoicing, there was the song of testimony. There was a song of victory. They were they were actually following the pattern of the Psalms, and in many of the songs, there were, were it was it was was poetic, it was scriptural, and and as I went through it, because it, it almost carries you on a journey of praise and worship. You start off with um, you know like um, the Jesus is Alive album starts off with Let there be joy in the house of the Lord. Let there be praise to the God of our salvation. Let there be singing and shouting, dancing in celebration. Children of Zion rejoice. Let there be joy, which is like the kind of song you sing when you're like starting fellowship. So, and I remember that song. That song really brings a lot of nostalgia for me because in my former choir, we used to use that song to go up onto the pulpit, onto the stage. You know, that was the song that they, it was a, a mass choir. So that let there be joy. We'd just be clapping and singing, you know, and that, that would be the song that we'd always use to go up. So every time I hear that song, I it just brings takes me back to the good old days when Christianity was really Christianity. Because I, I kid you not, what we're doing right now, and it's not, at least in my part of Nigeria, Southern um, Nigeria and Christianity, and if you come from a part of the world where the Christianity is very different from what is described in the early church Jesus times and you know the early church then you know what we're doing now is not Christianity I, I really say and I, I say this I mean I attended a, a women's Christian women's program yesterday and I said it you know to some women who were there and I could see some of them struggling with like yeah Shola why do you say that but I, I just think it's not, you know, a, 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 a practice of Christianity that is focused on self and is, you know, does not show love, is very judgmental, 
you know people people in fact i find that repeatedly people going through serious emotional trauma can never find peace in the church rather the, the church is the one that will kick them i mean i know of someone once who in fact i don't want to talk about it who tried to actually let's just say that something really almost tragic happened but the way it was treated by the church by church leaders of the place you know it, 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 she, she ended up leaving and and it's not been in church anymore and I, I don't even know what's happening with her right now whereas she was clearly in a very you know fragile emotional and mental health state and um, the church was more concerned with protecting its reputation than helping someone that was in need so and I hear these stories everywhere so you know it's um it's really for me it's just sad you know people it's just really sad and whereas in the scriptures particularly in the lifetime of Jesus but also afterwards you see that Jesus was the sanctuary for the lost for the people who had been rejected for the in fact I think that was the problem that a lot of the leaders had for him because what they were not doing Jesus was doing you know so you know what it means when you are the leader of your community the Pharisees and the Sadducees were like the spiritual leaders of the day and then this man comes and starts preaching and everybody starts following him what does that tell you that means that you're not ministering to them you're not feeding them there's a there's a whole gap these people were hungry Jesus was not preaching per se in the synagogues. He was preaching outside of the synagogues. Yes, he did go into the synagogues. We have record of the time when he read, you know, went in and read a a chapter in the synagogue at the beginning of his ministry, just recorded in the book of Luke chapter 4. But he wasn't like a pastor that would climb, you know, he wasn't leading the synagogues. He was not a, a leader. In fact, it's funny that they call him rabbi, you know, teacher, but he was not teaching in the within the walls of the church. And now that is really giving me some feelings. Because I now realize that it's like the Christianity that happens outside of the church institution always seems to be the most powerful. Maybe there's something we need to learn there. Because I just realized that actually Jesus' entire ministry was in the streets. It was in the streets. On the mountains, in the valleys, wilderness, people's homes. Like when he went to, you know, was it um, the home of this guy that, um, the tax collector, you know. That was, that was it. And lives were changed. It birthed the church, the spiritual body of Christ that we know today. I have a, you know, I worked, I have a real problem with institutions. Because I now, I sort of think now that when you institutionalize something, it is more open to corruption. It is more, and when I say corruption, I don't just mean financial corruption. I mean spiritual corruption, because then there is a brand, there is an image, there is a treasury, you know. And I think that was what Jesus saw when he went into the temple, and he said, "My house is supposed to be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves." Yes, because people are, you know, now earning salary from the church. People are concerned with the offering that is coming. I mean, the, 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 the synagogue or the temple had become this place where it had become a business. It had been commercialized. You know what I'm saying? So they, they had expenses to meet up with. They were much more concerned with enough money coming in to meet their expenses than actually the spiritual progress or well-being of the people. So when Jesus came, the reason why crowds gathered is because there was a gap. If there was no gap, if Jesus was not giving them something that 
they did not have nobody will have come out multitudes we won't have had five thousand people gathered impromptu without invitation for them to 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 to, for him to preach to and it's not like these people didn't have things they were doing these were people who if i when i think of the time the way they gathered out to listen to jesus and all that i really wonder because i watched a lot of documentaries about rural life and rural life is very tasking you have you have things set out for you you, i mean like you have your work cut out from you from dawn till dusk and if you are working in the fields or you are somebody that is looking after you know animals and all of that you really don't have a choice as to whether you're going to do this stuff it's not like us i'll be like okay i was supposed to email that proposal today but yeah i got caught up in some other stuff so i'll do it tomorrow no if there are pigs to be fed you are better feed them today you know what i'm saying if there are um, sheep to be shared you have better share them on the day that they're going to be shared because otherwise you're really going to compromise a lot of things if today is a planting day and you have the weather for planting you might as well go out you just have to so the fact that they left all of those things behind and these were people who really to a very large extent you know it's not like well i guess they would have savings and all of that but it's not like this modern world where you know well i well i think they did have a very organized society but i mean they were very much people who lived it wasn't a modern society like what we have today so they living everything they had as in living their daily chores and these were not rich people these were not people who had workers working for them many of them were working you know were working with their own hands like literally so that means that jesus was the experience they had with jesus was so phenomenal that it didn't matter anymore what they were doing i mean they could afford they were taking days off work let's put it that way i think let me say it in modern day language they were taking days off work and this wasn't it's not like I, I, I'm sure maybe some people, if they were not self-employed, they would, it would have been difficult for them to do that. But when you look at the numbers Jesus was getting, people were skipping work. Either because they're self-employed or whatever. But they were doing whatever they needed to do. Maybe some people would not be able to join during the day. Maybe some would join in the evening hours, you know. And I guess that's why they were looking for him everywhere. Because there will be people who would... I assume not be able to leave their sheep in the field so maybe their brothers would go and then those ones would come back and be like wow you need to go you know you could you know this guy is really let's go and look for him because they were literally trailing him everywhere and we had people like the roman centurion you know who who traveled far to the place where jesus was so you can imagine and this all in a society where there was no radio there was no tv there was no social media there was no internet so word of mouth you can imagine how phenomenal I'm even coming out of because we're just thinking about it. He really took his world by storm. And the funny thing, he had lived among them up till that point. But when God called him, he went, got baptized by the Holy Spirit, got baptized, baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan, came out, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, went into the wilderness, fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, was tempted of the devil, came out, went into the synagogue, read the um the spirit of the lord is upon me chapter and um, verse isaiah you know where he says it's upon me to preach the, um, the to proclaim the year of the lord and he says today at this uh, is this scripture fulfilled in your sight and that was it boom the ministry of jesus began so i started off by saying that the ron canoli songs 
it made me it took me back to the way Christianity used to because in those days when we got saved in the 90s we knew that first of all we, we, we nobody came to Jesus nobody caught, you know came to Jesus and became a born again Christian without having an encounter there was something that happened to you that would make you know that this is the day you got born again and all of us knew it and most of the time it wasn't really about a church it was about an experience with jesus an encounter many times it happens in fellowships it happened in revivals for some people it happened in church for many of us it happened outside the walls of the church but the born again revival movement that happened in the 90s then in nigeria and i think this move of god happened in several countries at different times in different ways but most of the time they were always not church-led they were community-led it was faith-led it was a move of the holy spirit now the question i ask myself is that why is it that most of the time it is always god's the move of the spirit always seems to happen outside church walls and sometimes we do sometimes see some that are church-led like um well, the, the Hillsong movement, I'm not really sure how that started, whether it started outside of a church and then later became a church. Of course, since then, you've also seen what has happened. So, it, it, it if I was to do the study of this, and I think there's probably a lot of work already done in this area, I am honestly beginning to question the institutional model for Christianity. I do recognize that institutions are necessary. I like the fact that there are schools of theology because I'm going through... I'm in a theological seminary now and I do see that it's it's good to have a place and an institution where you know um, scholars come together they meet and you know just a gathering point it's a school very very important and it's an institution very important because they are distant from they're independent of churches and they sort of like can act like the conscience they are custodians of you know the theology and the thinking and particularly the seminary that i am in you know online um, western seminary in the u.s they even though they call themselves evangelicals they do you know they, they they're not church is not tied down to a particular church so and there's a lot of reason so i think that's really useful i think the local church is also useful and the bible does say that we should gather together but i honestly i just think well what i have seen is that once the church becomes an institution they seem to be very vulnerable to spiritual corruption which also leads to financial corruption they become more concerned about their reputation their own reputation their brand their image and less concerned about jesus and if that is what happens if that's the progression that we know that will happen then that model i really really question it you know I, i really really question it that's just me but there must be a way for believers to begin together so what i would recommend to every believer is you know by all means then you know be a member of a church but please join community gatherings networks you know i know even a lot of churches have fellowship and things like that but have fellowships that are outside of a church structure where you can meet believers from other churches because the body of christ is not segregated into churches you know there's only one body there's only one body and these walls that we have created within ourselves is not of god and at the end of the day the unifying thing that we have is the blood of jesus the spirit of christ the spirit of the holy ghost the word of god so 
we cannot stay very far from the word of god i am on a quest to first of all find of find out what the word of god says particularly in places where it is clear what it is saying and that what he's saying is confirmed in several places like the teachings of jesus the teachings of the apostles teachings about love about hospitality about being kind to people doing the right thing you know putting yourself in the shoes of others taking care of the poor you know things like that reading your, your heart of envy of, of, of jealousy of malice allowing the love of god to to to, to shine in your heart walking in in the fear of god you know um not being corrupt not being a thief not loving money loving god more than anything else preaching the gospel not making yourself a judge of others you know but just loving people the same way that god has loved you has loved me that's what the scripture teaches and not thinking of ourselves higher than we ought to so when i was listening to the ronkadoli and we went through the songs and, and some of the songs are really really phenomenal I wanted to call this, I will read the, um, the first song that I started off with, there, there are quite a number of them, but Holy Lord, that this Holy Lord used to really get me, and it says, Holy Lord from above, fill us up with your love, for my heart and my flesh cry out for you, can you believe that, Son of God, righteous one, by your grace by your grace we have come into your presence holy God to seek your face oh holy Lord we worship you Almighty God, our hearts cry out before you. There is no other one like you. Holy and holy and worthy, worthy as you. Holy Lord, from above, fill us up with your love. For my heart and my flesh cry out for you. They cry out to you, O Holy Lord, we were. Shep you, almighty God, almighty God, our hearts cry out before you. There is no other one like you, holy, holy, and worthy, worthy as you. And all around the throne, they sing, Holy, so holy, 
God so holy, holy, so holy. There is no other as holy, worthy, so worthy. Only you are worthy, almighty God, so heaven sing worthy so worthy mighty lord there is no other as worthy jesus jesus oh jesus almighty god almighty god lord jesus 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 Almighty God, oh Jesus, who was and is, dun, 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 and is to come, you are worthy. Just, you know, this particular song used to just get me into this, you know, presence of God. Like, it says, Holy Lord, from above, fill us up with your love. For my heart and my flesh cry out for you. It doesn't say, fill, give me, you know, fill me with your blessings. It says, fill me with your love. That's the heart of a disciple. And, you know, for me, I would wish that... I think a lot of us are really getting confused you know this whole prosperity gospel thing that has been shared about has gotten a lot of us confused about what christianity is because christianity is not a place if all your your needs are purely financial i'm not really sure that christianity is the best place for you because i think the i think prosperity is provided by i think almost every religion on the earth has a prosperity model in fact in nigeria the prosperity model in islam is quite strong in other words if you you know i mean i shouldn't be saying this but yeah but it is quite strong let me just leave it that way and we've seen some christians nominal christians not born again christians people who have decided that you know because there's a real structure around islam politically and all that for financial gain you know they they, they convert so if I see a lot of people coming to Christ because of the things, because of material blessings. And I'm like, there's no evidence to suggest that Christianity, you know, following Christ provides more material blessings than any other faith or belief system because the richest people in the world don't even believe in God or are not practicing Christians. So... Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really get that. You know, it's clearly there, there is, they are very, it's very easy to make money outside of Christ. Um, so, and I think what has happened is that some people have used prosperity as a way to market the gospel. Jesus didn't ask us to do that, because Jesus said, "What does it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul?" He also said, "Seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things should be." 
um, all these other things will add. So Jesus never ever used material blessings to talk about himself or whatever, you know, his message. His message was always about, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he will say, you will find rest for your soul. He did not say you will find rest for your body. I just realized this now as I was thinking on the Holy Spirit. I just realized this. He never said he was going to give you rest for your body. He said rest for your, rest for your soul. And I, this for me was is a discovery that I've just had as I've started to read the Bible a little bit more that the New Testament actually talks more about spiritual blessings than material blessings. The Old Testament spoke a lot about material blessings. You shall be blessed in the field, blessed in the corn house, you know, very focused on material blessings, which is why till today the Jews are one of the um, Jewish people are, are one of the most richest people in the world because they really do. They, that covenant was about material blessings. The new covenant, which from God's perspective is based on better promise, the Christ covenant, is more on spiritual blessings. So in other words, authority over the powers of darkness, the ability to be transformed into the power of God, the ability to walk the works of Jesus, to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. All the sort of things that only great prophets could do under the old covenant. In fact, some of those things old prophets couldn't even do them. There are how many gifts of the Spirit that have given to us in the New Testament that every believer can have. Every believer can speak in the tongue of angels. These are things that were not out. So what God did was that he poured out his Spirit in the New Covenant. The New Covenant is a spiritual blessings covenant. You know, it's a, and it's, it's not a material blessings covenant. Yes, there is provision for material blessings because God, I mean, everything that He is, the spiritual blessings will create, you know, value and all that and bring forth. Once He takes out the devil, there'll be prosperity of spirit, soul, and body. But it's not necessarily, it's not the way it is in the old covenant. In the old covenant, if you were doing, working with God and doing the things that are pleasing in sight, you would naturally be rich. In the New Testament, you can be walking with God and be doing the things that are pleasing inside and not be materially rich. Material blessings is not a measure at all. In the Bible, it's there. Rather, God talks about giving away, you know, giving your life. In fact, I don't even, I've said this several times, I don't want to keep saying it, but I, I will say, but I, I won't spend too much time today because I think we've talked about other things. So, this song starts off with, Holy Lord, fill us up with your love. So, I think one of my, and then it goes on, my heart and my flesh, they cry for you, oh Lord, we worship you. You know, everything in this song, there's nothing talking about blessings and everything. And it's not because the people who wrote the songs don't have financial needs. They did. But for them, they just wanted God to fill him up. And when you say, they, they saw the holy the song is called holy lord it, it it this is written by somebody who has beheld the holiness of god and they just want to be holy as god is if you look at god and the only thing you can see is that he's rich and that um, the streets of heaven are paved with gold then i'm sorry maybe you need to go and worship the god of gold yeah the kind of that idol that nebuchadnezzar built that that should be the god that you worship as far as God is concerned those things are perishable they will pass away so I'll just leave it here for now I'll title this music Holy Lord because a Lord that is holy 
Holiness has nothing to do with materialism. And my my great one of my I think one of my greatest fears right now is getting sucked up in this materialism that even we as Christians have embraced and sort of brought into the gospel. And to the extent that in fact let me just say my greatest fear is getting swept away by doctrines that or standing before getting getting to the point that I stand before God and God looks at me and says whatever it is you are doing on earth it has nothing to do with me the only way that I can avoid that is to make sure that my line I first of all I understand what the word of God says and then I, I, I make sure I do it and what I see in the word of God is the sort of thing that is written in this song is about God wanting us to be filled with his love to love him with all our heart with all our mind with all our soul with all our strength and to love others as ourselves and God wanting my life to be a light unto others and God wanting me to change from inside out and not to be hypocrite not to be a lover of money or to be a lover of self he doesn't want me to be transactional in my relationship with him. He wants me to be a true worshipper. Worshipping him in spirit and truth. He wants me to seek his face and not just his hand. I want to move from a believer that is seeking the hand of God to one that is seeking his face. That's why I like this song. Because this worship song is written from the heart of a worshipper who is seeking the face of God and not his hand. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Stay lifted and have a wonderful day in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.